0: TV Empire to director, we have a player review. Can we rock and roll please? Hello and welcome to Bits and Pieces, uh, the podcast that's as useless as the music that plays after a boundary in South Africa. It's supposedly meant for the spectators of which there are three. It can't exist without the cricket that goes on. But the people who Play it, seem to enjoy it. So here we are uh, back with the friendliest podcast for yet another episode. I am Tony and I'm joined by the regular host of Bits and Pieces this time because this is supposed to be the week for comebacks. India didn't manage to do it. So we've brought back your favorite panel of which let me just get uh, started with the intros. You won't hear him talk about cricket even if you subscribe to the most premium version of the Ken or follow his verified Twitter handle. But for us, he let the mask slip. Say hi PGK. Hi Tony. Let me just say that the whole country is against all five of us, but we can continue
1: for <laughs> Starting with the siege mentality let's go for it.
0: (laughs) This podcast could also have been titled angry men shouting into stem mics uh, but (laughs) someone else uh, stole our thunder. The second friend of mine who is joining us his insights are like the Cullinan diamond uh, but his anecdotes include uh, moving around water bottles to annoy Daryl Cullinan. Say hi to Nitin Sundar.
2: Hey dude uh, you made fun of the music in the broadcast like what are, you? are you? insinuating anything against a uh, super sport? Find other <laughs> ways to make your podcast go viral, mate. Eh?
0: <laughs> welcome, welcome. Also joining us, he famously never watches the IPL, but uh, from his academic background, he once suggested a scheduling format for the IPL to make it better, at which BCCI looked at him and said, Hey, thuh, you think we want to make the game better? Uh? Go away, da. Welcome, Mohan.
1: Yep, absolutely. So this is... Uh... Thanks, thanks, Tony. Thanks, uh, PJK and and Nathan. Yeah, nice to be here once again. I wanted to remind you that at the end of uh, last week's podcast, um, I did say that South Africa would win. They were, I said, I had them at 40, 55 to 45. I'm not telling you I told you so, but I am telling you that.
0: <laughs> well done. Okay, uh, and uh, rounding up uh, the panel of hosts this week, uh, he's also a producer for the day. Original fans know him as uh, Reverse Sweep or Pius, uh, he's uh, known for uh, you know his voice that make makes people weep, uh, but he's one of the peeps here. Srinath, I'm sure you have a better intro for yourself and for the show, and I'm gonna put you on the spot and and come up with an alternate intro for Bits and Pieces.
3: This is producer Peeves saying hello. Uh, bits and Pieces is not just the name of this podcast, but also our collective state of mind right now uh, in the aftermath of everything that's happened in the last 48 hours, including, as we will find out soon, the resignation of an Indian captain.
0: <laughs> yeah. So before, before we get into, uh, you know, the topic at hand or topics at hand, must say uh, thank you to all of the listeners who, Wrote in with very very kind words. Uh, We didn't expect for there to be so many listeners, especially because we average about ten thousand hours of digital marketing expertise per host in this podcast, and nobody bothered to check if there was another bits and pieces podcast. Turns out there are at least another ten thousand of these. So you guys are really here uh, despite our ignorance, Uh, but also it puts things into perspective, right? That experts can also go wrong and amateurs can call them out so here we are to tell cricketers how to do their job right so this week uh, this episode could actually be titled uh, men will do anything but go to therapy <laughs> we are here for group hugs after uh, this was supposed to be sort of the roundup from uh, 2018 when Boomra made his debut in Cape Town which kick-started the Revolution that would have seen us uh, winning across Sena countries, it coincidentally ended with Boomer at Cape Town, but it didn't all go according to script. But I think we have a lot to cover this week. Uh, none of this matters because uh, the most important topics for the week are obviously the fifth Ashes Test that is happening, India under 19 beating South Africa under 19 in the in the ongoing World Cup, and uh, Ramesh Raja's proposal for triangular or quadrangular formats to return. We shall not be discussing anything else guys so sorry about that (laughs) no so really let's let's get into the series roundup uh, from India versus South Africa and uh, jump straight into it
2: I like that you mentioned uh, you know how this all started in 2018 there is a lot of symmetry with 2018 actually if you take back to that tour India technically lost that tour lost that series on the first morning Right. they conceded way too many runs and uh, could not catch up in that test match. They would have actually won that test match if they had uh, you know, kept Australia to fewer runs on that day. And in beautiful symmetry this time, the only day where India actually did well, you could say, on this tour was on the first day. And they ended up winning one test match because they batted well on day one. And that followed five shit batting performances. There's no other way to put it. Uh, <laughs> I think we mentioned this the last time. Uh, you can't keep winning test cricket if your batsmen are going to consistently drop you know flops the way india have been doing and uh, i think it eventually caught up with them
1: there, there is one other symmetry here and it's it's worth pointing out that in that test that you talk about nitin if i remember right rahane was dropped or was 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 not included in the team and there was a huge A uproar as a result of that, and perhaps in this in this series we might we might sit back and say "Hmm, maybe he should have been dropped, (laughs) and and uh, and then who knows what the uh, outcome of the series would have been.
3: There's so many people over the last few years saying that all you need to win tests overseas is uh, bowlers who can take twenty wickets, and then Rahane and Pujara just went to sleep on the basis of that, saying. We've got the bowlers. Why do we need to make runs? And the places have been pretty much glued to the middle order forever. And uh, no one seems to be wanting to come out to the media and say that they're out of form or they're in the middle of a patch. Because this is, like you said, Mohan, this is a long way from what it was in 2018. Because they just said horses for courses, Ajinkya Rahane has dropped. We just picked somebody best 11 for the test and so on. Now it's just like these guys have an infinitely long rope. So you just come a whole circle from that time.
1: And I think that the thing to say here is that we've been bloody minded in everything, everything, including the treatment of our captain and coach. If we've been bloody minded in everything other than the selection of the team and anger that you're detecting in, in, in what I'm saying, Hell yeah.
0: Everyone is angry. So I'm going to give, since we are talking about parallels to 2018, I'm going to give a parallel to 2018 as well. It's a parallel that you probably haven't heard of, but here it is. Let me just read this out. I found this a few days back. I found it really interesting. So I'm just going to read this out. This is from a story that appeared in Crickinfo in April 2018. And funnily, it has nothing to do with cricketers. Here it goes. Opening paragraph. Armed robbers raided Newlands on Friday, smashing the glass doors of multiple suites at the Cape Town Stadium and making away with TVs, liquor and other items. Okay, The raid began shortly after midnight, Okay, when a woman approached security personnel at gate and asked for directions to nearby church. She returned five minutes later. Only this time she was joined by three accomplices who jumped the fences, apart from more than 15 other men. Some of whom had guns, so they forced them to give them keys to the presidential suite. They stole stuff, and the South African police is doing an extensive investigation. When I read this now, I was thinking 15 people went to Cape Town in armed, <laughs> you know, with masks all men, and just broke the whole place up. Hmm, yeah. how many people? How many how big is the squad of India right now? In- <laughs> so they they, they
2: didn't they did go in masks as well because it's COVID. Uh, <laughs> oh,
0: yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> every but, every single one of PGK's interludes now sounds like an intro to the nut craft which he writes. <laughs> this is like I was wondering, what are you getting to? And then I'm like, down to the fourth paragraph, we you know what it is.
0: And this story says that this is the third time since 2015 that this ground has been hit by robbers. So this is like an annual event. So every year <laughs> robbers go and just like break into the and just steal <laughs> stuff, at but, you know what,
2: what happened after they after they caught these guys? Right? Uh, they were uh, they were court martialed The entire
0: country against 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) See, apart from all of this, there's only one parallel with 2018, which is that you were right about Rahane being dropped. But what you all neglected to mention was who replaced him at that time. And the person who replaced him that time in the team was Rohit Sharma. Correct. and rohit sharma came back into the team and he had like a i think a horrible test match or so so anyway the series ended badly for him it ended like a sort of a redemption for rahane and now At the end of the 2021 season, Rohit Sharma is in all likelihood going to be the captain of the Indian cricket team. Rahane is out, so the whole thing comes back. Bringing it back to uh, the cricket and also the symmetry, these were two uh, very evenly matched teams, right? So, uh, in their bowling attack, they had Kagiso Rabada, we had Bumrah. They had a world-class spinner in Maharaj, and we had Ashwin kind of to match up to that. Uh, (laughs) Olivier was useless, Uh, Umesh was equally useless. And then they brought in Ingidi uh, with a thick uh, backside and we had Shardul to match up to that, right? And both of them, uh, whenever they bowl, uh, you don't know whether to say it's a peach of a delivery or a delivery of a peach. So these were two evenly matched sides, fully symmetrical. What went wrong, um, guys? What in your estimation as uh, amateur podcasters, uh, why did we lose a series? You know, on... uh...
2: At the start of the final day, right, it sort of you had, and we'll talk about what happened, uh, uh, you know, the previous evening in a bit. But at the start of the final day, uh, because this was this Indian attack, right, you still thought that they could make some magic happen, right? And if you look at the way Bhumra and Shami started on the last morning, I was keeping count. There were about six wicket-taking balls that they bowled in the first 15 minutes, right? In a parallel universe, somewhere, those balls were getting etched. They were getting caught and not dropped. The way Pujara dropped one of the catches that came India's way. And India actually went on to win that match, right? And uh, all of us would then have gone back into adding another glorious chapter into India's fast-polling story, right? In a sense, that would have papered over the cracks. It would have papered over the fact that India should have never been in this position to begin with. Right? They just did not have enough runs. But it's just one of those things, right? We we now see control percentage is something people talk about all the time. And they use it post facto, to explain why some batsmen do well, some bowlers don't do well, so on and so forth. South Africa were immensely lucky on that final day, right? Uh, And there were some brutes of deliveries that the Indian bowlers were bowling. And it's, it's just one of those things, like you said, two very evenly matched teams. The margins of difference between the two are very very minimal and uh, india needed one session to go their way on the last day it didn't happen
1: so so we've used the word evenly matched uh, teams or the phrase evenly matched teams about three times in this podcast so far this is this is uh, post post fact rationalization i think i think right up uh, up until the last day of the last test we were saying india is going to win this so and suddenly now we're saying evenly matched because the the results show that they 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 were indeed evenly matched although south africa didn't have uh, arguably their lead bowler, uh, or one of their lead bowlers. But I think if we, if we want to sit back and say what went wrong, and that's the question that uh, that Tony posed, I think we are in the same position that Australia was this time last year. Australia was scratching their head saying, how did we lose this? Um, how, we we should never have lost this. How did we lose this? And I don't think they, they found adequate answers, even after lots of soul searching. I suspect we will be in a very similar position. I don't think there are any clear answers as to why we we lost this. It's not we weren't evenly matched. We were um, going into the series as um, with South Africa being, if not serious underdogs, they were underdogs, uh, even though they were playing at home. So we're left with a situation where. We're scratching our heads, saying, "How the hell did we lose that?" And then the collateral damage that's happened as a result of that is a cap. We lose a captain and a team, apparently or seemingly in disarray. But we may have got the result that we actually wanted, at least Nitin wanted, which is to uh, uh, cleanse the team of uh, the two people or that that may have may have caused it. So that's all we can do. Uh, at the end of the day, that's all we can do. No,
3: in addition to not having the runs, two hundred and twelve is it's not a significant target. I think it was like 60 for one when that whole stump mic incident happened and the DRS call happened. Elgar came out in the press conference and said they actually played into our hands because they're probably too desperate to win. They were irked by something that was a decision. we come to that, it's it's a it's it's a technology based call that irked not just the captain this time. Usually there's there's a counteracting force that the bowlers get on with it. This time it was Ashwin, it was Kale Rahul who's second in command, all of them going after the broadcaster together for an extended period of time. It was 30 minutes, I think. And and the next three overs cost about, I think it was 26 or 28 runs after that incident. And when you've got 212 to chase, a lapse like that is absolutely unaffordable, right? You can come back all you want on the day after and so on. Bumrah is probably the only one who kept his focus throughout that phase. And none of these things help. If you have a world-class bowling attack, you're basically counteracting that by going after the broadcaster and doing silly things like that. Before.
0: Yeah, I think we- we'll come back to the broadcaster point uh, later. Let's yeah. Finish the... So I- I'll just say that I think all of this is true. But if you look at the series as a whole, everyone always says that bowlers win your test matches. And that's true. But it's bowlers win your test matches with an asterisk mark on it. Because... I think that the way how bowlers win your test matches, it depends on the kind of bowlers you have. It depends on the kind of surface you have. It depends on the kind of opposition you have. And South Africa, we know, at least in the last two tests were like extremely bouncy. Tickets. It is not a coincidence that all of South Africa's bowlers are I don't know, 7 feet, 8 feet tall. Because it's a form of natural selection in South Africa. In order to succeed as a bowler in South Africa, on South African pitches, you need to be tall. And so the reason why these guys are tall is not an accident. That's what home series do. It allows you to pull in like people who really understand home conditions and are able to deliver on those conditions. It's like how we get Akshar Patel in India. This is their version of that. So... I think that when India's bowlers definitely had a height disadvantage, which means that South African bowlers then had to bowl in a certain way, which means that they would get extract bounce from the entire pitch. And so everybody, if you look at all the Indian wickets over the last couple of days, I think like, I think 90% of them were caught behind. It was either the wicketkeeper, first slip, gully, it goes everywhere over there. India had to attack stumps much more. I think they were the only ones who managed to get some bowled, etc. So... But for the kind of bowling that you do, if you have to extract this, and Indian bowlers are tremendously versatile. We've spoken about how they're able to bowl like West Indian bowlers in West Indies. They're able to bowl like Austrian bowlers in Australia. They're able to bowl like Indian bowlers in India. But in order to bowl like South African bowlers in South Africa, you need runs on the board to defend. And I think that is the problem. Because if you are attacking the stumps and trying to get South African batsmen out in a certain way, you're going to basically makes sh- you only way you can succeed is if you have runs on the board to defend it and if you don't have runs on the board then you can have all the really great bowling that works for you but somehow in these conditions absent the height that's the only thing so i tend to agree that especially with Nitin, who said that the first day was the only time where india was really in the game i don't think the bowling was bad per se it is just that for the kind of bowling we had We needed runs to be able to defend it because that's the only way you would get them out.
2: Another problem with batting so badly and getting bowled out twice and, you know, quick succession so fast is that you're not really getting the advantage of bowling last, right? You repeatedly had India bowling on day three in the fourth innings. You're not going to get the uneven bounce that you want out of the pitch at that point in time, right? And it didn't help that the heavy roller came out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So, yeah, absolutely agree with that point. I think a lot has been made about the height difference between the two teams. But this was true in, uh, you know, the last time India went to South Africa as well. This was true in uh, 2010 when India played superbly in South Africa, right? Uh, shanth is not a patch on Mourne Mokkal, right? If you were to measure them height, measure their height. And yes, sure, you could have got uh, Ishan Sharma instead of, uh, you know, Mamesh uh, Yadav for the final test match. But the reality is, you know, these bowlers do know how to take wickets in all conditions. And it's not like bowling full or, you know, bowling back of a length cannot work in South African conditions, Indian bowlers have done it in the past, but yeah, you need you need runs on the board to be able to defend that.
0: To that point, right? couple of things one is that uh, India saw height was a factor last time, and we all predicted Ishant would be a shoe in for Siraj, except they picked Umesh, who had a really off test match. But uh, to that point, I think great credit to Ishan Sharma, who despite uh, being a a journeyman for these many years was still on the sidelines cheering for the team, right? So we had the tall man advantage in the dugout, but not otherwise. But if you look at the runs that were scored, right? So I just uh, took a quick look at the stats of all the Indian batsmen, batters, sorry, um, that have played all three tests. uh, None of them average above 40, right? South Africa had three of them. Actually, surprisingly, I don't think you'll guess who has the highest average for South Africa by a huge margin. It's not uh, Elgar or Peterson. It's actually Bauma, who has an average of 73 uh, because he got those two Mm -hmm. not-outs. But uh, Mm -hmm. Peterson and Elgar average 46 and 47, respectively. For India, I think, out of uh, batters who played all three tests, Pand has 37 off the back of that 100 not-out. But otherwise, if you look at uh, the stats as a whole, Vihari has 60 uh, with one not out. And Kohli has actually 40, uh, though we missed a test match in between. So very clearly, I think uh, if your top uh, three or four is not giving you runs, and that bears out in the results as well. In fact, did South Africa had any, have any 100 in this series? No. no. India had just two. Do. Rahul, Rahul and, Papp. Papp. And, and that And that
2: tells you exactly where the problem is, right? Like if you got two centuries out of your batsman yeah. in six innings and still... You were so short of runs, it just shows.
0: Yeah, and the two centuries are the person at literally at the top of the order and literally at the bottom <laughs> of the batting line. But I, I have a question here, right? All of these uh, results aside is virat kohli back i mean we saw two uh, bloody minded innings both about 140 balls for different number of runs but two in to my mind uh, kohli and peterson were polar opposites right peterson was uh, flooding it everything outside the off stump getting lucky as lucky can be kohli was the picture of discipline itself and he at both points in the first and second innings, thought, okay, now is the time to get on with it, get some runs, had a flirt outside the stump and, and lost his wicket in both both cases, right? Is it just mere luck or is there some terminal decline associated with Kohli, which we'll need to live with for uh, the rest of his career?
1: I, I, I don't think, yeah, well, of course, Kohli and Peterson were, were uh, what did he say, polar opposites. Kohli and Punt when batting together, were polar opposites too. So it's not just Peterson. So he was batting with a guy who's who's middling everything, uh, putting the bad ball away, and actually um, looking really, really composed. Now, but but going back to the the question itself is Kohli back? He is back, and he's not in my in my view. So it really depends on what happens in the next little while. We'll inevitably we need to talk about his resignation as captain and so on at some point in time. I I have a feeling that he's complete. I mean the he's completely deflated at the moment, and he's just chucked. Chucked it all in. So is he back in? Uh, does he have the motivation to continue to to play? To continue to play at that highest level, at the kind of pace and intensity that uh, he brings to the game, I do not know. So is Kohli back? Yes, I think he is. From the way he played, is he back? I don't know absolutely have no idea whether without the intensity and fire that he brings to
0: the to the park i don't know if he can ever be in i'm actually much more optimistic i loved the innings. like even though the scores don't show it now whenever people talk about Kohli, always there is this one moron in the comment section or in some twitter this thing who says and compares it with this is what tendulkar did In When he played that 241, he cut out the cover drive and Kohli was also stopping the cover drive. Dude, have you watched that match? Have you gone? If you can go and see the scorecard of that match, that particular test match, almost, I think nearly 2000 runs were scored in that (laughs) test match alone. All right. So that was the flattest of the flattest pitches with the most average bowlers. And I think Tenelkar just looked at it and said, okay, what can I do here? Okay, I can cut out the cover drive. Can I still make runs? Of course, you can make runs because... I mean, of course, he's being Tendulkar, but also the other thing. I think the fact that Kohli just basically... his You can very clearly see his approach has changed. His approach, at least in this series, has been probably biased towards... Okay, you know what, what I'm going to do? I'm going to basically stay in here. I'm going to stay in here. I'm going to back myself. It's a very... Elgar-esque kind of an approach. It's very, probably Pujara, not now Pujara, probably earlier Pujara kind of an approach where I'm just going to stay in here. I'm going to face as many balls as I can. I'm going to back myself and I'm going to, when I get the chance, I'll play. Kohli didn't basically take the choice of saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to go for my shots anyway and sooner or later things will come. But the fact that he was able to stay in for so long and face so many balls... And at immense control, it's like how they say when you're batting, right? You put your hands in your pockets, literally, like his bat hands never come out. It stays exactly where it is. And yeah, maybe the runs don't show it. But the fact that he stuck on for so long and demonstrated so much control, uh, for me, is like a really, really great sign.
2: DGK, props for using the, the adjective Elgarisk. Like Dimuth Karna Ratne just became one of the <laughs> you know fans of our podcast. For people who don't know, yeah, once uh, a couple of years back, when uh, neither Karnaratne nor Elgar were really household names, not that they are now, but a couple of years back, in an interview, Karnaratne had mentioned that uh, Dean Elgar is the person who inspires him the most. On on Virat Kohli's uh, batting itself, right? I think Virat Kohli comes into every match with a certain amount of discipline right uh, and there's only so much you get from kohli because he's on the edge right he's this brash young man from delhi and all of that in this test match given <laughs> all the history that uh, given all the history that uh, you know his batting is he's been having trouble he's not been scoring runs there's so much happening off field etc he said okay i'm going to score runs this time i'm going to put all the discipline i have into this into my innings right and he, he batted like a monk even when he actually got out it was because he was trying to farm the strike because all the wickets had fallen and he had to uh, manipulate the strike if not I, I think kohli would still be batting Right. If this were a timeless yes. test match, Kohli on that pitch would still be batting. He would, That's he would in the be first inning, whatever. yes. In the yes. first innings, yes. He would be on whatever, 238 of 7,000 balls or whatever. But... The effect of putting all that discipline into his batting, right? I think we should talk about what happened on day four. Was that the most childish passage of play they've all ever seen? I definitely <laughs> feel I've not seen yeah. I've not seen a team lose its shit the way the yeah. Indian team lost its shit uh, for that half. Now I don't know what the hell was going on. Everyone coming up and having a go at the mic. I mean, I know that you know former cricketers don't make great commentators, but do we really want current cricketers to become commentators yeah. during the game?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Emma. Did you know that seahorse males give birth and jellyfish when you cut them into half they turn into two jellyfish. And when you cut uh, starfishes on they turn into uh, I mean they can grow back. That face looks like an oval so he's put oval highlights in the show notes. Check it out. If you like this podcast why don't you share it with your friends. Like I share chocolates with my friend.
3: Bye. Just before we go to the stump mic stuff, Nitin, you mentioned brash young man from Delhi. I was reminded of Gawaskar calling young Gautam Gambhir until he was 36 and making his sixth (laughs) comeback into the Indian team. But but anyway, before we move on to the stump mic stuff, I think we should talk about Pant and his batting. Last game, he was criticized left, right, center for it. He's just becoming this second innings guard in the sense that he doesn't care if it's a number eight or number 11 batting. If he feels set, he goes for it. Like Keshav Maharaj was brought in to bowl clearly as the spinner to tempt him. Panth didn't care. He was set enough. He knew what his plans were. Two fielders in the deep on the leg. He just kept hitting and hitting and hitting. And he is the reason why we even have. You know, had a contest at all, and why this podcast is even focusing on flaws of the middle order and so on, as opposed to a 10 wicket defeat, and all of us are lying down and, you know, crying about India's decline as a test team. I think punts the difference. And we should acknowledge it. Yeah. So that's yes, the question sir. about
0: Pant, right? Because uh, based on these match-winning innings he's played, and uh, I think it's a relevant stat to mention that there are only 2 wicketkeeper wicket-keeper batsmen in the history of cricket to have a century in Australia, mm-hmm. South Africa, England, and India. That's Gilchrist and Pant. Gilchrist. Uh, and that's the end of the list, right? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And in the last one usual, year alone... As
2: usual... As usual, you're overshadowing Rahul Dravid. He was a wicketkeeper and he scored hundreds and all these (laughs) (laughs)
0: things. But the other thing about Pant is also that people forget that he has like several 90s as well. And many of those 90s are not out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both both, uh, Sydney and Gabba, right? Uh, I think it was 97 and 89 not out, uh, which don't count as hundreds either. But here's the question, right? I mean, based on the back of these innings alone... um, I'm with Gavaskar when we come to that section of the podcast for Pant taking a claim to captaincy. But if you take out this 100 not out, right? Over five innings, he's averaged 17, right? Is that a luxury that you can afford if you're going to pack your team with five bowlers, if that's the strategy? Would you rather have someone who contributes every time rather than panth who scores one in 10 times?
2: You know, Tony, there are two types of people who watch cricket. <laughs> there are people who uh, who don't care about the stats and uh, make fun of people who go into stats and try to explain everything post-facto. I used to be one of them. Uh, and then there are the people who actually use stats and use metrics and you know try to post-facto rationalize. It's very tough to actually predict what's going to happen in cricket, right? Yep. So you only have these two type of people. I would say in the last few days, I've gone from you know the first type to the second. So what I did was, I went and looked into control percentages and stuff, right? So Rishabh Panth on average... Uh, plays an out-of-control shot every five balls, right? The uh, Generally, an elite batsman is at seven to eight, right? Six, seven, eight, typically. Williamson, I believe, is at nine and above, whereas uh, Ajo Root is at seven and so on.
3: Karuna uh, Ratne is at 21. Yeah, something like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Elgar Elgar must be like 40 or something. Yeah. No, actually, he's no, like... No, no, the funny, Elgar is point
3: 0.3.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the funny thing about that uh, fan following is Karuna people would argue is a far better batsman than Dean Elgar. He's likely accomplished a lot more, but he's like, hey, no, Dean Elgar was the guy. Right? But yeah, coming back to this point, point, right? Uh, and then you have someone like Pujara, right, who's known to sort of uh, give very few false shots, doesn't take a chance unless a ball is in his zone. It all boils down to, I mean, it's a risk-reward game at the end of the day. right? Rishabh Pant knows one way to score. He believes that there are so many runs he can score before he gets out, and he plays those shots. Yes, he's going to fail more often than not. right? He is going to play what seems like a crazy shot post facto, like the one he played in the second innings of the second test, and he's going to get pilloried for it. It's going to keep happening in his career, but there are going to be uh, streaks like what happened, you know, this time around, where he's just able to temper himself that little bit. Some of his shots, you know, his false shots don't actually go to hand, and he's going to come away, you know, with a glorious big score, right? It's going to keep happening. It's the same thing that happened with Sehwag as well. right? Uh, so yeah, that's my take on Punt's batting. Uh, definitely well, you of, just
1: of... you just said, uh, Nathan. You just said what I was going to say. I mean, Punt to me is a savag, right? How many matches has he in his short career already, if not one, single-handedly contributed exactly. majorly to a win, and that really contributes to a lot uh, to 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 this question quite a bit. And and it really irritated me. And we should call it out that in the at the end of the second test, Gavasko was absolutely pillorying, and not he was not the only one. <laughs> But everyone in the so-called experts were absolutely lambasting Punt for the shot that he played. And they said uh, that, that the coach and captain should, you know, stick a stump up somewhere. Um, and then at the end of the match, it's as if they never said it. They didn't own it at all to say, oh, the rest of the people were really pillorying uh, punt and so on. But look how he's turned it around. And I think that's where we have you know, significant problems. Not recognizing that this guy comes as a package and he will win matches with the style that he plays. And sometimes he'll do foolish things. And that's fine. And you need a Sevag in every team. You need a Gilchrist in every team. You need a punt, I believe, in every team.
0: The Indian team also understands this. I mean, I, think, I actually think a lot of stuff that they say in press conferences and all may just be stuff they say just to like diffuse things. I don't think they seriously go out and try to like change Puns game. I think they've known for a while that you need someone, one person like this in the batting order. So previously it would be Seva who would be right at the top. Now they know that it is Pant at number six because there are five people above him who play very conservatively in a certain way. I mean, that being said, also, I mean, I know, Nitin, you said about control percentages of Rishabh Pant and how it is you know one every four or one every five it really didn't seem that way when you were watching the second innings I mean it really looked like he was batting on a different pitch like the things and the places where he missed the ball and the balls that he really missed were things where you could see he was taking enormous amount of risks in order to do it it never looked like at any point in time that he was being beaten like I saw how they were bowling to like a Pujara, Rahane or even a Mayank And it didn't look like that at all. It felt like Pand was just making very strong, clear, decisive decisions on this is what I want to do, this is what I don't want to do, and that's about it. Great second innings partnership, right? Uh, That we saw, which basically put us in a position of... Reasonable strength uh, with the brash young man from Delhi and also Kohli at the other end uh, was uh, very interesting to watch, right? Because Kohli didn't score a run for an extended period of time in that phase. He was done no favours by uh, Pujara and Rahani. And Pant just seemed to, whenever he hit it, except with the tailenders, he seemed to be uh, you know in complete control of the shot. There was one shot that he played to uh, Dwayne Olivier which could have ended with his wicket, but he blasted it so hard through uh, extra cover or mid-off that uh, you know you just had to sit up and say, wow, right? A little bit of resulting also happens. But I think with Panth, uh, what we must realize is that uh, these centuries in Sena, uh, they actually span uh, three or four years, right? His century mm-hmm. in Australia is not from this tour, but from 2018, 2019. I think his England century is also from... Uh, that time period. And, and uh, this time around, what's actually immensely improved about Pant is his keeping, uh, not just uh, away, but also at home. Uh, in the home series as well, he looked like a very, very capable keeper. Mm-hmm. So there's been like an evolution to Pant also. Um, and I think, uh, to be honest, uh, he's a definite uh, fix for the Indian team. Probably the first of the 11 that will be picked. Uh, the real question that I had earlier was that if you're picking a guy like Pant, then can you afford the luxury to have five bowlers if your top level batsmen are not playing the innings that they're supposed to be playing?
2: Actually, you could leave out everything about Pant and bowlers there. You could just say that, you know, if your top five batsmen are not scoring <laughs> guns, you're <laughs> going to do well at test cricket. doesn't matter yeah. who follows. But I uh, completely agree with everything you guys said about Pant, right? Uh, it was not a chancy innings at all what I was trying to explain with control percentages was just the approach that Pant brings to the threes, which means that there will be fluctuations, right? And the whole thing with control percentages also, right? Yeah, I mean, a control percentage of, you know, one uh, false shot every seven balls, every batsman in the world, actually got out to the first fall shot he played, every test match would end before T on the first day. right? That doesn't happen. And that's why it is so tough to predict what will happen in test cricket. There is so much that happens. The edge needs to, you know, actually, you actually need to nick the ball. The edge needs to carry to a fielder. The fielder needs to be in the right place. The fielder should not drop the ball. So much needs to happen. Right? Uh, <laughs> nice ticket. Right.
0: <laughs> and I think we would, the control percentage also don't show the nature of the loss of control. So we would rather probably see Pant swing like, you know, completely crazily, miss the ball completely and it goes to the keeper. And that is an out-of-control shot as opposed to a ball to a Mayank or a Pujara where it just whisk past the outrage and they're all standing there. Okay, it is just okay. Miss. Which is exactly
2: the risk-reward thing, right? You either choose yeah. to defend with soft hands, so you're not taking a chance to score a run. And hence the edge may not carry, but you're still out of control if you edge it. Or you're swinging for the fences, right? You're going for a powerful cover drive, uh, strong bottom hand, as Gavaskar would say. Uh, and if you nick hands. off, then the options are, absence of soft hands, right? Uh, and you nick off and you get out, right? So Strong
0: bottom and soft hands.
2: <laughs> <laughs> since we since made that comparison to Seva, right? I think every day is a good day to uh, remember just how awesome Seva was. Uh, very early in his career, right? I think two or three years into Sevag, the Seva era, so to speak, there was a different grammar, Uh, that people, pundits, commentators used to have while talking about Sehwag. Every time he failed, they would not actually admonish him for his choice of stroke. And there have been at least a couple of times that I can remember where Sehwag has got out cutting the first ball of a test innings to third man. Right? (laughs) Trying to uppercut the first ball and getting caught. I remember at least this happening at least twice. And yet... People would never say that's a bad shot. They'd say that's the way Sevak plays.
3: There's there's another angle to this, right? Like it's also what who followed Sevak. Like you've got an insurance of Dravid, Tendulkar, Lakshman, And that changes the narrative completely. When Pant gets out, you're seeing like a tale of Shami, Bumrah and someone else also. Right? I,
2: I, I could flip that around, right? You could say that the opener actually has a job to do that because he needs to protect that middle order from everyone else. And he's setting the agenda. Uh, Panth, you know, typically batsmen coming in lower lower down the order, you know, the premium they're expected to place on their wicket is significantly lesser, which is why you had a Gilchrist and you had multiple aggressive batsmen, even I would say even a Viv Richards, right, who used to play with a certain flair, which you wouldn't have expected from uh, the top order. Yeah, I even guess, um, even Rohit mine, Sharma gets before.
3: called out for getting out. My, my, my point is, in general, we don't celebrate enough that we've got the closest thing thing we've ever had to a guilt risk. I mean, Dhoni became conservative early enough and we got this, you know, I don't know, to use a cliché term, swashbuckling, wicketkeeper keeper batsman <laughs> at number seven. And we don't celebrate that enough because you've but got like ineptitude this, this... on both sides of his... Uh... So
1: Tony slipped in that, um, I think I heard him slip in that Pant could be a future captain. And uh, yes, we've talked about how good he is as a batsman and a wiki keeper and how improved he is and how we should you know applaud and recognize the way he plays the game and, and leave the rest of it as, as guff that uh, Soft Hands Gawaskar says. I, I just don't see him as captain material. Um, if that's where you're going, going with uh, the question, Tony, yeah. no way. I think it'll just ruin his his formation as a as a cricketer yeah. there are other captaincy options and that might be a nice segue into talking about um, yeah. police yeah so so b- before we
0: before program. we go there right I think uh, I am falling into the trap of the podcast mic effect just because I've got a podcast mic I'm sounding like an expert whereas the only reason I watch cricket is for uh, the joy it brings right so um, who said you sound like an expert <laughs> in my head <laughs> uh, like uh, my my own voice sounds great at 1.5x in my head so yeah <laughs> yeah but but the point is the real reason why uh, i've enjoyed watching this cricket team uh, indian cricket team so much and the reason why i praise kohli so much all the time is for the emotional aspect it brings right they're not trying to survive and play out you know boring draws or anything like that they want to make sure they leave it all out on the field and they go for a win and oftentimes end up losing but that's okay as well that that was in fact uh, the first match as captain he played in adelaide was um, basically how the rest of the uh, thing followed right so for me actually this uh, after day 3 i actually wrote a post which said uh, virat kohli you broke my heart and i was really done with virat kohli because o- over the you know last 6 to 7 years this Indian cricket team has stepped it up in terms of aggression, in terms of taking the attack to the opposition, in terms of riling up their own players and the opposition and creating uh, chances, right? So give them 60 overs of hell and we saw how that unfolded when England crumbled. But what happened at the end of day three was at the end of the other spectrum, right? Which was a complete meltdown and breakdown of everything we've seen with the Indian cricket team. I'm not sure if um, I, um, you know, sort of attribute that to Shastri holding the team together. You guys will come at me. But really, uh, what we saw was a complete meltdown of of the Indian cricket team on the field, right? Which is not something I was used to. It, it, It really took me aback as a cricket fan and in some senses probably it's uh, the right time for kohli to step away if he doesn't feel that he's got either the control of the team or the support of the backroom staff and his batting is also going so, through a bad patch
1: so it's a it's a it's a really good framework that you've got there tony the, the if if you go back to calcutta 2001 right we could say that the uh, well, maybe that was a start of the mental disintegrators, mentally disintegrating. And, and that, that you could say was, was what happened in that series. Now, was that right? Was it wrong? Was it right for uh, Steve Waugh and his team to be really irked by Ganguly coming late to the toss and a whole bunch of other things, right? Yeah, so the mental yeah. disintegrators mentally disintegrated. And essentially what happened here is that the siege mentality experts actually were under siege. And yeah. that's, that's essentially what happens. And when this happens, you know, all sorts of things go wrong. And what we saw there was appalling behavior by the team. Uh, what, what, to me, what was even more galling was the appalling behavior of the people who control the game who said, oh, it's okay. And they turned a blind eye to it. And I think that's terrible. Now, did that lead to, therefore, me saying, "Oh, Kohli, it's time for you to go"? No way, no way. So that's the extension of your framework that I'm not willing to to accept.
0: Sorry. So my point was not really about the spirit of the game, etc., that was broken on that day. It was more to the point that Srinath said it was at 60 for one when that happened. If they had gone on with their cricket and you know put the siege mentality. In it channeled it in the right right direction. But don't, don't maybe forget, you don't forget
1: in the minutes. very first innings, right? The same person, Kohli, who feels under that siege, um, got got the entire dugout uh, yeah. to use their Absolutely. soft hands to clap. So soft hands is, <laughs> so the, <laughs> is soft hands,
0: right? the one thing that I think I've heard from all of you. But the one thing that none of you have mentioned is the specific aspect of what the meltdown happened. Oh yeah, on, which was yeah, yeah. on this. DRS decision. See, Mm -hmm. the Indian cricket team, especially under Kohli, trying to create a siege mentality. Oh, it's because Anderson said something to Bumrah. Oh my God, now we are all under attack and they want to come out and attack. The media has said something about us or maybe there is racial abuse. So these are all things that the Indian cricket team has used in the past in order to create a siege mentality. People saying things on the field, they have used it to create siege mentality, but to use DRS specifically, Mm -hmm. a technology which in all purposes is completely faceless and humanless. To create a speech mentality, I find that fascinating. And there are many aspects to it. We can get into the various specific aspects of the strengths and weaknesses, the DRS, et etc. But my larger point is essentially this. I feel that this wasn't a, this wasn't a coincidence, this wasn't this thing. It really makes sense. If you look at how DRS is viewed by India, And especially by Indian spin bowlers, specifically like Ashwin. Because for a lot of us and for the rest of the world, the reason why DRS exists is because they say, okay, the reason why DRS exists is because you want to correct howlers made by umpires. And so there is a way for you to review this decision. But that's not true in India, especially for someone like Ashwin, who used DRS all through his career. Like there are many videos and analysis that basically says that Ashwin's rise, one of the big factors of his, era, of course, is his skill, et cetera. But it's also because of DRS. If DRS existed in the era of a Kumble or a Harbajan, it would have been a very different kettle of fish. Left There the wouldn't have been a 10 for last... Kumble to begin with. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the fall of left-handers <laughs> over the last 10 years has happened completely because of DRS. So Ashwin especially has seen DRS as a weapon, just like how seam bowlers see a wobble ball, etc. Et so for me, I think that is the mindset, how they use DRS. And when something like that does not work for you, you feel like there is a grave injustice being done. And I think that is really central and quite fascinating.
3: And to, just to go back to that whole sandpaper gate and that entire series, there was a lot of analysis done post that, which these guys brought in immediately on the basis of one DRS error or decision or whatever happened there. Effectively to say that, hey, Supersport, you put in 20 camera people around the ground. You started pointing out that Darren Lehman had a walkie talkie and then you started you know, connecting the dots and caught this guy with sandpaper in his pockets. And to connect that to a DRS projection was completely silly. And like I said before, it's just like laboring the point. You didn't disconnect it, but you went on about it for 30 minutes from the slips. What message are you sending to your bowlers if you say, hey, LBW and caught behind are eliminated because the DRS won't detect it. So you've just got bowled (laughs) and caught in the slips or something. That, that was just the chant from, I think even a baby voiced Mayank Agarwal was doing it at one point. It became really <laughs> funny. what, what What's going to happen, right? Like what is Bumrah and Shardul and Shami thinking when they walk back to their mark? It's just like completely silly beyond reason. Yeah,
0: interestingly, we I think this, this stat bears happen. out that this was the first test ever where 20 wickets of a team fell to catches. So South Africa didn't get a single LBW or Bolt. And this is the first such test in history, right? So uh, there's something to be said for, yeah, I mean, yeah, Bolt and LBW are not going to work. So try the catches anyway. Going
2: back to that meltdown, uh, I've been trying to understand why it happened, how it happened, right? It is, lots of people have said, you know, this is very much in character. This is what Kohli always does. But I think we've also touched upon the point. This was actually not at all in character. Yeah. Whenever this team gets into the under siege mentality, it is often, you know, they're creating internal friction to try and, you know, uh, project themselves against not perceived injustices, but very often real injustices to make things happen. Exactly. And, uh, you know, the, there's a very, there's been a distinct culture shift in Indian cricket, right? This has happened over the years. It's not very long back that come to India, we'll show you happened, right? Uh, and I remember, I think uh, after England had hammered India 4-0, right in 2011 england went to uae and got spun out by pakistan on turning tracks and uh, i remember uh, indian cricketers reacted to that and said haha these guys are coming to india next and we'll show them right we'll show them on track. and we all know what happened when england came back to india and got mm-hmm. spun out right that was the mentality that the indian team had once upon a time right and these are not even old cricketers you're talking about. these are people in the post dhoni era the dhoni era right that's something that kohli and shastri and this entire team has actually flipped Right. they're not actually hiding behind excuses when they create friction and Kohli is always on the edge of creating this internal friction right you mentioned the claps for instance earlier in the test match i could go back to 2017 right when Steve smith was caught uh, you know trying to cheat on d r s kohli had a terrible series as a batsman but he was in their face as a as a you know just as an antagonist throughout that series and putting it in their face that you know they were trying to get that edge and it actually contributed to G-ing up India and winning that tough series, right? So Kohli has always been doing that. What he did here, it on you know, it, it was so out of character that you could probably say it must have been impulsive, right? It must have just come out in the heat of the moment. Lots of things are not going your way and it's just brewing in your head, and you just explode. But like Srinath mentioned, there were so many dots that these guys actually joined in their heads. They've gone back all the way to sandpaper saga. They know that you know this broadcaster has a certain way of uh, you know, creating a bias in the way they broadcast matches. So bring that out in the field and not just one person as a one-off. Right.
0: The entire
2: team for half an hour repeatedly coming to the mic and going on and on about this. I almost, uh, I think, you know, at some point they thought, let us actually use this as a weapon if we can, at some point in the series, to our advantage. But it just came out entirely the wrong way at the wrong moment. And, uh, which at is, which is, and they actually lost the plot in that 30 minutes.
1: Yeah, Which is why, Nitin, I, I come here and agree with almost, I, I, in fact, everything that you said, except the word impulsive. Uh, I, there was nothing about it in my mind that was impulsive. the retort but the, the way yeah. the manner in which they retorted meant that uh, they had cogitated this for a long time and uh, and the the um, catalyst that was required brought out exactly every everyone was saying more or less the same thing so it wasn't impulsive it was cogitated it was thought through it was actually felt by every player that they were uh, being singled out not just them there may be whispers um in the cricketing world itself because they brought they 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 brought to the table sandpaper gear. they were not part of it at all
2: yeah.
1: right so so that's that tells me that this wasn't impulsive they actually felt it. They'd actually th- talked about it and then yeah. brought it out in the open and in the worst possible way.
3: There's ripples around the cricketing world, Mohan. I was watching Correct. the Fox Sports coverage this morning exactly and right. Gilchrist is now the host and by by many accounts, the calmest of the current Aussie commentating lot, right? Like he was he was mentioning about three decisions that went against England, which were overturned by DRS. There was none of them this morning. They said like, Thank heavens, none of them went to the stump mic and blamed Fox Sports producers for it. That's I me. Mean, that's the impact instantly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, so two parts to this, right? One is uh, I I think most people have forgotten, but in the first innings when Kohli was on thirty nine, there was an appeal for caught behind. There was a spike on uh, you know Snico. The South African team started celebrating, and Palekar, uh, the third umpire, actually said. There is a spike, but I can see a gap gap between bat and ball, which not many Correct. of us saw. Uh, and he actually overturned it, right? So uh, it's not like uh, it's been a series of misfortunate things that have happened, which is why I want to tease out the two parts to this, right, and move on to the captaincy discussion.
2: Before you do that, Tony, are you saying karne <laughs> 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 whoa, whoa. well done. He's
1: well
0: been done. he's
1: been he's been holding that line for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: so, uh, what was brought up during this conversation was Mayank's uh, dismissal, right? Uh, some LBW that happened with. Which again, the projection seemed weird, which they brought in during this Dean Elgar dismissal as well, which is why I think the backroom staff deserves uh, slaps on their backside, where they are the ones who are supposed to sit down players and explain how DRS works, or at least understand how DRS works and translate it to them and say this. Is not a aberration, right? This is how DR is supposed to function. If we are not okay with that, then there is a different problem. But it doesn't go to the umpires or the broadcasters being biased exclusively against India to produce a result, right? And I I lay the blame at the backroom staff's um, feet or backsides or however you want to call it. And then yeah, just there's Shastri is not there. <laughs> no no I mean these things continue to happen in cricket right it's about No but it, uh, I I no I tend to agree that I think that there was definitely there is something here there is something here that we don't know there is something here that has happened that they have discussed probably over the series which I tend to agree with Nitin that it just kind of exploded over here you can see how it's not impulsive at all like the 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 review is done the review is just gone Ashwin immediately loses it on one stump mic. He's yelling on one stump mic. Kohli is yelling on the other stump mic. So you know that something is up here. They have been talking about it. They have been simmering over this on for a while. Although, but I don't know why. But maybe somebody told them. Maybe they were sitting in the staff and they were looking at the coverage and the way how... Supersport was covering and keeping a focus on the ball when the Indians were bowling, but not doing the same when South Africa were bowling. Maybe they had some reason to think that, look, there is something off with the ball, but there was no reverse swing really. So I don't really know what exactly it was, but it's clear that there is some, something was simmering.
4: Yeah, all there was also the, the, the other that
0: incident cool. that happened the series, right? Which is when uh, one of the South Africans got dismissed and he didn't take a DRS and it happened ex- and then it got to lunch and then Supersport showed the replay uh, in which there was no mm. nick or whatever. And then there was an appeal made to the team in between, right? So, and I think at a later point in time, there was another appeal by the Indian team when Shardul was bowling and they didn't go for the DRS. Yeah. But then Kohli walked up to the stump mic and say show me that replay I know you can hear me right uh, to say that you guys are selectively showing replays to insinuate something etc mm. but my whole point is that this needs to be dealt with at not on the cricket field, right? If you have an issue with the broadcasters, take it up with the board or whoever is handling those broadcasters.
3: Just to finish that thought, also what Bumrah said into the stump mic at the end of the second test, where he said, I yeah. know you're hearing this, uh, we'll come back pretty strong in the third. That takes a whole different meaning in, in the aftermath of this. Yeah, yeah
1: but but going back to, to Tony's point, you said, you know, uh, the, the, the boards need to look at it, look into it, and, and look at um, broadcasters and their responsibilities and roles and perceived unbiasedness, if you like, uh, I, I still go back to the point I made. I'm appalled that ICC said all of that was okay. Uh, I, I think a clear signal needs to be sent that that's not okay. No, we are, the, we're sitting here. Sorry,
0: the ICC said all that was okay because there is no nothing in the ICC book that says that you can penalize people for saying stuff against broadcast. It doesn't exist. What will you charge them with? Do you have to what use something really broad, like bringing, bringing the game to disrepute or something Correct. like that. Exactly. ICC
2: conducted a fantastic test match. Every over was bowled on time, right? Over rates were (laughs) spectacular. It's the only thing that matters. ICC was sitting with their calculators and clocks. They're not listening to what's coming in in the stump mic. They're not listening to the commentary. All of that doesn't count for anything. That's all jack shit. The only thing that matters is the series is over, guys. It ended on time. It's one thing to go and talk against a broadcaster. It's another thing to choose the wrong broadcaster. Why can't they go and badmouth Sony like? The worst <laughs> app in the world. Right? Why are they going up to SuperSport?
0: <laughs> and I and- just want to see how far you can stretch this. Like in future tests or these things in India, will they people go up to the stump mic and start abusing cred? I would love to see that happen. <laughs> this is like, pay tea, I didn't yeah. get my cash <laughs> back. What can you do? There is nothing in the ICC rules that say that you have to charge people. I Social media people doesn't people work anymore. So
3: uh, let's use this. PGK, this, is, to get this has <laughs> happened in the...
0: <laughs> this has happened. This, is, this has
3: actually exact happened. exact thing has happened in the, in the 2000s Gilchrist. when Gilchrist and co. Yeah, yeah. yeah they exactly, started Gilchrist. naming... The rivals of TravelX, right. who was the sponsor, and so on. Yeah, yeah, it's just yes, so, I remember so
0: that the, story. So, the funny part about when uh, Nitin said uh, the test match and series ended on time was a producer for this episode, Srinath, suddenly. T- uh, took a look at the timeline and saw we've been going on for over an hour then he quietly face palmed himself then he um, emerged from that face palm to say no problem i will fix it in post
2: no i have a question i have a question on uh, on that uh, drs call right it obviously looked strange to all of us right uh, when we looked at the front on view it looked like obviously it hit fairly low and that we were all convinced that it was going to be out obviously so it was surprising when we saw the ball going over the stumps but At least in my case, when I saw the side view of the same ball, right, the side on view, where you see the ball's trajectory, it bounces and it goes up, it seemed perfectly fine to me. I I don't know why we are, uh, uh, forget the Indian team obviously in the spur of the moment uh, or whatever, with the built-up thing, reacting the way they did. But I think it was a perfectly fine call. The technology worked perfectly. Like, did, did
0: any of us have problems with it? Sorry, and it's so weird because this has been good. DRS has been around for like 12, 13 years. This is not, I remember when DRS came initially, there was a lot of suspicion by especially Tendulkar and the BCCI and looking at this and saying, hmm, this thing, I'm not so sure. It looks a little bit weird. It looks a little bit bad. And I get it because you are people who have never seen this. And you are looking at this and saying, can this be weaponized against us?" These guys have probably been growing. Going up, They must have done most of their career in DRS. And like I said, in the case of Ashwin, probably like even his career has probably owes a lot to DRS as well. And to look at this whole thing and say, oh yes, this is all against us, seems a little strange. Very much like old man yelling at clouds kind of situation. <laughs> to, to be fair to Ashwin, he did uh, take two important wickets in the series, uh, all told of uh, Ingedi and Rabada. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he took Peterson as well. Come on, you can't do that. He took Peterson. What, really?
3: And and Elgar, according yes, he to did. him.
0: In yeah. the second test. In the <laughs> second test, of Peterson. Captain C, right? It's interesting. Um, Kohli is obviously out. There are rumors that KL Rahul will be captain. But I, at this point in time, I just want to bring out what our uh, dear friend Kostub uh, at underscore cows on Instagram said uh, about KL Rahul. He's got the look of someone who's uh, high on edibles and is constantly worried that someone is going to find out that he's consumed these edibles, right? That's the appearance he gives on the field. To me, I don't think he's got a single uh, bone of captaincy in him. Which is why I said Pant and also the evolution of his wicket-keeping and batting over the last three years. They, they,
1: let's look at this, right? A year ago, KL Rahul wasn't a certainty in the team. That's how bad it is. So there's no way you can, you can be absolutely sure that KL Rahul should be the captain. Uh, yeah. Unless you can be sure that he will be in every every single team. Um, yes, currently he's doing well. But in when Rohit Sharma comes back and you have Shubman Gill, and you have Mayank Agarwal there and KL Rahul. What's going to happen? So we're not even sure whether KL Rahul will find a place in the team. So why, would, why are we even thinking of him as captain? So that, that's one. So then, therefore, what are the options? So you, you mentioned Pant, and I think it will be a disaster for him as well as for India if he's captain. So not because he, he cannot captain, but simply because I think it, you know he's just too young. And with the wiki-keeping um, responsibilities and a whole bunch of other things, I'm not sure he's, he's up for it. How much as I hate myself for saying this, perhaps Rohit Sharma is the best, best option. If not, I would give it to a young player like South Africa did when they anointed Graham Smith, a young player who is going to be there for the, for the long haul. Um, yeah. The Graham Smith option was a fantastic one by uh, South Africa. It's a huge risk and it paid off massively for them over, yeah. a, uh, if I remember right, a 10 year period. They had options, but they went for, uh, they had some really good options. They went for Graham Smith. So I would go yeah. for something like that rather than KL Rahul or Rohit yeah. outcome.
0: outcome. I think we need to put some context to this, right? To say, uh, in fact, Kohli has stepped out at the perfect time for the team to have a lead-in before the next round of major tours. Because the next few series that India are going to face is Sri Lanka at home for two tests. Bangladesh away, uh, in between there is Australia at home for four tests but practically India is playing at home for the foreseeable future right? and there's a one-off test against England or whatever and it honestly it doesn't matter who is going to be captain India uh, because we have riches by whatever right? And, and I'm pretty sure the pitches are also going to uh, reflect our need to win Come and dominate home, we'll these you. teams coming. Yeah, it's going to be that. right? So it means that Rohit Sharma is going to be the safe choice. right? He's going to be the safe choice if you want to say, yeah, see, we bounce back from this and we won all these test matches, now what? right? And then you go away and the same cycle repeats because let's face it, Rohit Sharma is not the fittest man on the planet. He's not going to be around uh, as long as Kohli will be even. right. So you need to look at who is going to be the next long-term captain. I think that's the context in which this is set up. But of course, Rohit Sharma, uh, can also turn it on um, and become the next Ross Taylor. Here is what I think the team is thinking. Okay, which is essentially look, we can talk about all of this fundamentally. At the end of the day, we know that there are only three players in the current Indian team who are a certainty across conditions in Tests across countries, and those three players right now are Rohit Sharma, Rishabh Pant, and Jasprit That's it. Everyone else, you have no idea. Someone fits in here. Someone fits in there. You're counting Kohli sure out. what's going to happen. Well, I'm, well, of course, I'm counting Kohli out now that Kohli is no longer going ah, to be okay. an option, right? Cool. <laughs> I think the the team's th- thinking is essentially this. I mean, it, probably if there is a thinking is that, okay, look, let's make Rohit Sharma captain maybe for a year or two. Please stick around for a year or two. We'll tolerate you. It's exactly like the Kumbhle thing. Although Kumbhle was not tolerated, but then that particular time was very important. And hopefully in this two-year period, they will probably get in the Shubman Gills, the Shreya Iyer into the teams and hope that they are able to like establish themselves as certainties in the squad. And if they do, I think there's a pretty good chance that they will pass it on to either a Gill or an Iyer. I don't think it's going to be Panth.
2: I'm actually amused that Rahul is even an option, right? Like some of you guys mentioned. Suddenly there are so many loud calls for him to be made captain and he's jumped ahead of the queue. In a way, you could say he's Mundeba Lauda right now. Uh, the thing is... Uh, yeah, I definitely feel <laughs> Rohit Sharma is the right person to be made the captain right now. Uh, yes, he's a little old. Uh, yes, he's not the fittest kid in the block. But the guy has just established himself in the test squad, right? Uh, and I'm sure he's very ambitious. He does want to make a mark in test cricket. So he's going to be around for a while, for sure, right? And you're and not, I mean, come on, we had Ganguly as captain once upon a time. Since when is fitness of captains, you know, important to Indian cricket? <laughs> uh, so I feel definitely there are two or three years here uh, of Rohit Sharma uh, and it's a good time to try and groom the next year and I don't think that's KL Rahul like uh, someone else mentioned, right? There's not a single bone of captaincy in KL Rahul. He has pretty much abused his position as captain of Kings 11 Punjab to further his own uh, sort of cause and to, and to come back into the India team, right? He has batted in a certain way to make sure this, he's on the selector's radar and that's why he's now back in the team, uh, anyone who's going to put his own batting out of uh, his team the way KL Rahul has over the last two or three years is not captaincy material. And I think we also saw that he was a little short of ideas in the second test match, right? So not, not the greatest option. I like the idea of Shubman Gill. Uh, long way to go. Has to uh, to start with, has to become, you know, a fixture at least in one format though. Uh, and then hopefully another one. The only person or the only people I would say who tick the box at the moment are actually Bumrah and uh, Rishabh right? Uh, Bumrah seems very left-field. We have not had a fast-bowling captain in Indian cricket since the days of Kapil Dev, uh, And especially with you know the amount of cricket that's played, injuries, rest, and all of that, I don't see Bumrah becoming captain. I think almost by default, Trishap Panth has to be the person who is who is groomed for the role. But why not, why not going back to tackle? the
0: earlier... <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow. That was very smooth segue <laughs> yeah. from couple there. Very, very good. <laughs> <Right>. the, Lord. <laughs>
2: the Lord and the captain. The only exception to that rule is actually Dhoni. If you think about it, right? Dhoni was a flashy player who played by his own rules. Again, it was a bit of a default choice. There was nobody else at that point because that entire batch had sort of tried and moved on, right? Uh, but the good thing for Dhoni was, uh, at least in Test cricket, he had a period of apprenticeship under Kumble. But uh, as far as limited overs cricket goes, he was, you know, pretty much thrown into the deep end. The difficult thing with uh, Rohit is going to be that he's going to get all three formats at one shot, which is not true even for Kohli. Kohli also had, you know, the the chance to move into Test cricket, uh, as it were. Yeah.
0: The other thing, though, is when if Rohit Sharma becomes captain, then it automatically, by default, if you assume the Ayer and the Gill succession, then it also then it obviously means that Pujara and Rahane are out. You cannot have a scenario where Rohit is the captain and you're keeping Pujara, Rahane in the team. Wait, wait. Pujar and Rahani are not out yet uh, after this shambolic series. (laughs) We're still considering this. I mean, I I was always thinking that they may may phase it out, keep one, lose one, but now I feel like I don't no, but I there, don't is, there is a Sri Lanka series to you know bid them goodbye and farewell, give them two tests and say bye-bye, tata, thank you very much. But also, which means Vihari makes his way into the team and why can't Vihari be captain?
2: Because he's going <laughs> to be playing uh, Ireland A to warm up for the next <laughs> series. <laughs>
3: I think two of you guys are going to be watching Pujara make a hundred in Bangalore and waxing lyrical about why he's the long term number three or whatever. That's, that's how this ends, right? Class
0: is permanent. You know,
2: this entire tour actually reminds me of Royal Rumble in WWE. or WWE. Guess, right? <laughs> so you have, you have Virat Kohli, uh, Rohit Sharma, Ajinkya Rahane, Cheteshwar Pujara, the four uh, batsmen who sort of came together in that batch, right? Um, in a sense, Rohit had the slowest start because the other three sort of got established as the you know the bulwark of the Indian middle order. Kohli obviously went on to become a superstar. Rohit has then sort of you know found an alternative route into the team, becoming an opener and all of that. What has happened on this tour, right? And what happens in Royal Rumble is uh, you need to throw your opponents out, right? The last person standing in the ring actually wins Royal Rumble. It's that format where 100 people are in the ring. Rohit Sharma has, you know, quietly stayed out of this entire mess. These other three guys have come to South Africa and they've all like sort of slipped on banana peels, sort of been knocked out by the board. They're all out of the out of the ring now. And Rohit Sharma is like, okay, where did everyone go? I'm the new captain. I'm the only one left standing.
0: Right, But I think one thing that we haven't done so far is that we've got uh, the probably the most spectacular captain of indian cricket team who's actually changed the way the team plays uh, calling it uh, quits as captain i think it's only fair to-
2: <laughs> from <laughs> csk
0: but i think it's only fair that we go around the table and probably get quick thoughts on kohli maybe even your favorite uh, moment watching kohli in the field as captain uh, I think we've all been privileged to see it. And anyone who's seen Kohli captaining while in the stadium, you know, will probably hold him in the highest regard as opposed to someone who's not had the chance to see him. At least that's my view.
3: I don't have a particular uh, moment, but I think there's there's a couple of things worth saying about Kohli, which will stand with me uh, for, the, for as long as I watch cricket, right? Like everyone spouts the cliches. Everyone says test cricket is the highest and we regard it right up the top. Everyone says you need to focus on fitness and groom bowlers. Here's a guy who's walked the talk for eight years. And I've always, like, I've never always been the strongest of his backers, as some of you know. All of us are not elite athletes for a reason, because we don't listen to the cliche about processes and putting them in place over a period of time. And now post facto, you look at the record, they've won pretty much everywhere they've gone, except for probably New Zealand so far. And that's the strongest legacy. I mean, the whole burden of responsibility on the next guy to continue to keep up even some of this, even the fitness focus, even the five-bowler theory, just that mental strength to adhere to what he thinks was right and stand by it even when the team was losing and even when the chips are down. Winning at home has now become something we we take for granted. But in 2013, we hadn't won in Sri Lanka for 20 years. That's where this started. And we were calling R.P. Singh from a holiday in Miami to bowl in England. And the guy was bowling, spraying it all over the place. That's where (laughs) they started from. And this is where he's leaving the team. And that's, I think, my strongest memory of Kohli long into the future. Great one.
2: I think uh, what a lot of us don't remember about Kohli is where he started, right? We all know about the guy who's become a fitness freak and who has changed sort of the fitness culture in Indian cricket, right? Which is all great. But we should remember that Kohli himself wasn't you know, a super fit guy when he started, he used to, uh, he used to like all the, all the good stuff. Right. And there was a period in his career, I think, uh, you know, after he had uh, had two IPLs where he did not do well or something where there was a self-realization that kicked in. And he said, okay, if I really want to become and realize the full, fullness of my potential, I need to change, you know, physically, I need to change as a person, I need to get more disciplined and fit. So he first walked that talk and he's been walking that talk throughout, right. And then he became captain. Then he instituted you know, certain fitness level standards that are required in Indian cricket. You could say that you know, all of this happened because the NCA is around. We have great uh, you know, feeder systems, fitness focus uh, in the country has definitely gone up in the last few years and all of it. But all of this was equally true for the previous dispensation, right? Where you had Dhoni and Srinivasan in charge. Why did those changes not happen then? There's a reason why it's happened under Virat Kohli, right? And... Again just talking about Srinivasan and Dhoni right uh, you mentioned RP Singh uh, coming out of nowhere and spraying the ball at the oval in that same year india refused to go for a win against a really weak west indian team in dominica right mm-hmm. they chose to back out of a chase with 1 hour to go uh, I think you still had Dravid and Lakshmanaswamy. Well. You had very decent batsmen still at the threes, right?
3: 50 overs, 80 much, or 60 something to win, something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. That's how
2: much this team. That's how much this team cared about Test cricket, right? They cared about coming back, saving their face, not losing. Uh, this team right now doesn't have a single negative bone in its body, and we saw that happen at the Gabba. I know Kohli was not there, but that culture of going for a win at any point in the game right right from that adelaide test match the first test match where kohli was captain he is playing to win every single ball that is the legacy and i don't know if uh, i hope it carries on i but it will take another really charismatic leader at the top to keep that spirit going
1: the most enduring moment for me was his first test as captain where yeah. uh, or not the first but but the adelaide test where where he set the the blueprint for how this team is going to play um if should they have gone for the win? You know, who knows? Doni may not have, uh, Dravid may not have, but he did. He
0: definitely he, would not have. It. It's not. Well, he may not. Have. Yeah. Right, right. I
1: was just being a bit polite there. But, but I think you know the the he did, and he says this is how we're going to play the game. That's one. The other thing that he's really, 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 really proud of is the legacy that he leaves behind. And in in, in a recent interview, I think it was with Dinesh Karthik, he says. I have no problems leaving the team at any point in time. In my own view, he probably left the team a bit too soon, and you could probably see it coming from the England series, where that fi- final test had to be given up for for some silly tournament uh, in in uh, in the Middle East. But but um, <laughs> I had to slip it in. But but you could see his legacy. His legacy is what he cares about most, and once that had been tampered with, I think he just lost steam and says, you know. Screw it! I'm not gonna gonna really um, worry about this. But in the interview with Dinesh Karthik, he says I can walk away from the game at any point in time because I know that the team is in a good place. I know that these people will will give their will will leave their blood and sweat on the field, and that's the culture that he's brought into the team. So yes, fitness is one aspect of it, but there's much more: fitness, diet, the bloody-mindedness. The, the fight, the grit, the determination, everything he's brought into this team. And that, that I think is going to be his legacy.
0: If you ever get a chance, you should watch this interview of Virat Kohli done by this guy called Graham something who's an American. And he does this multi-part interview with Virat Kohli where he's just talking to him about what was your childhood like? What was it like when you lost your father? So it was very important milestones in his life. And I really recommend going and watching that interview because there are parts of it that reveal and you can see that, of course, it was... There's a certain amount of PR associated with that interview. But still, there are some really authentic moments in there. And Nitin covered this. So there's a story that he tells about how he was basically like, while playing the IPL, he would eat everything from the mini bar, like all these biscuits and everything. And one day he woke up and he had like crumbs all over him. And he looks in front of the mirror and says that this is not the body of an elite athlete. And I have to change what I have to do. And there are other stories that... Journalists say, like when they just started off and they go and visit uh, Shastri and they ask Shastri, "Where's the team?" and he says that the team is in the gym. He's like, where is Virat? He's like, obviously he's in the gym because if Virat is in the gym, what do you think the team is going to do? They're going to stay in the gym as long as he's there. So these aspects, of course, are something that everyone knows of. But there are also other aspects, like how whenever like Aust- India tour Australia the focus of the entire media and attention is completely on Virat. That is why this time, the last series that went on, everybody lost their minds in Australia because the character of India is Virat. And he absorbs that and he creates that and he uses and channelizes all of it And pushes it into a team. And I don't think we really understood what he did or how he did that. And I don't think he's the kind of person who wants to do it because he's such a big extrovert and he's a flashy flamboyant person. He's not a Cristiano Ronaldo. He's not that kind of a person. He's doing all of those things. There is a certain method to it. He's doing it to absorb some of the attention to take it all away and to channelize it. And Apart from, we've spoken about his focus on test matches, spoken his focus on fitness and all of these are probably going to be his greatest enduring legacies. But I will also say the most important thing for me, apart from these two things, is the ability for an Indian captain to speak and to speak out the way we expect the captain of a cricket team to speak out. He spoke out when whatever happened against Mohammed Shami. And he didn't speak out under compulsion. He did not say, okay, I guess I have to release this statement as a tweet. I'm going to do this. No, he said it in a press conference. Someone interrupts him. The manager says, no, you don't have to say this. And he says, no, I want to make a statement. And these are all things that he did not need to do. But he did anyway. And I feel like for over like 20, 30 years, you can look at the list of captains that have captained India. And I don't think any of them did this or were in a position to do this so for yeah for all of those things miss you kohli yeah. hashtag <laughs> <laughs> beautiful i think i uh, have not much to add but i think there uh, kohli is probably the most misunderstood and mischaracterized uh, sports persons that ever existed most people call kohli arrogant but to me, he's the most humble athlete I've ever seen, right? So there was an interview of Kohli when he was at peak form in uh, T20 where someone asked him about, you know, uh, how you can keep this going. And he said, I don't have the natural talent of a Rohit Sharma to be able to hit sixes. So I need to keep my body fit enough to convert twos into threes, right? It's not a cliche like Sunil Gavaskar says it, but he knows very well what his limitations are, right? And uh, what are the kind of giants he plays around. The second part is he replaced Dhoni as captain um, very suddenly, right? Probably even mysteriously that you would have thought that if it was any other two sports there would be a lot of bad blood between them. But I think Kohli carried Dhoni through to the 2019 World Cup. And when Dhoni hit that six and Kohli was at the other end... In wide-eyed wonder, right? You could see that on his face. You can't fake any of that. And Kohli remains the most hum- humble student of the game, uh, looking at people from around the world and appreciating him. Them, um, in in fact, in the 2019 World Cup was the Steve Smith incident when he was just back and the crowd was booing Steve Smith. And Kohli's like, "What the hell are you guys doing, right? I mean, we are playing against them, but Steve Smith is a great." Player of the game, he deserves appreciation. He spent his time out. Now he's back. You know, don't uh, don't bow him. Appreciate him, right? And you can see that in the farewell notes uh, that people have written. Whether it's Ishan Sharma, who's written a beautiful note, uh, which you wouldn't expect, or lots of Pakistani players or anyone around the world, right? Kohli was a true ambassador of the game, a true sportsman, and I think it needs to be said. Probably the most humble sportsperson who's achieved. Uh, the maximum extent of of the talents that he's been given. So yeah, and um, all all things said, uh, that will make a good player what makes him a great captain is that he takes this cheerleading mentality and uses the crowd in his favor, right? So whenever I've seen a match uh, in which Kohli has been there, he's the one instigating chants from the crowd. He's the one pointing to the India jersey and saying, you know, shout India, India. He's the one showing Shivam Dube and asking them to shout for Shivam Dube when he's running in. So uh, that's what makes uh, Kohli's captaincy uh, special, right? That he's able to take his real excitement for the game. Uh, the cheerleading part of it and get the crowd involved and make sure that it is one country playing against 11 men right so I think that's going to be police enduring legacy cool uh, I think we've uh, gone on for long enough but uh, I just uh, wanted to say uh, the last time I put down uh, Cameron Green very badly and right now he's proving <laughs> me wrong in the, in the best possible manner last time we also said India is going to bounce back and how uh, and they've gone and uh, lost a season so, if you want, so any, basically, uh, what this means is, K L Rahul mm-hmm. is going to captain India captain. to a series <laughs> win in Australia or another. Okay, cool. All right.
2: Only yeah. we said Indian team will bounce back, and how the the ball that Ashwin bowled
0: to Elgar bounced and <laughs> <laughs> The interview that PGK spoke out uh, about, uh, we will link from the show notes so all of us can listen to it. Um, It's been a great second episode of Bits and Pieces. We are still learning and I think we are in it for the long haul. We are willing to respect the process but thanks uh, to all of you for listening in. Uh, Please, uh, you know, share uh, this with your friends if you think they'll enjoy it and uh, next week we'll definitely have a different panel and uh, going on we'll, we'll probably change and evolve how the show goes on as well thanks everyone stay safe and till next sunday uh bye-bye one
2: uh, closing recommendation for our uh, for our listeners right uh, i know all of india is pretty sad right now Kohli is gone the we lost the series and all of that but uh, sony live has a wonderful documentary about uh, <laughs> india's famous win in australia last year uh again i must say that sony live is not sponsoring us i wonder why uh yeah, maybe because we made fun of them sometime back and we made fun of them in the last episode as well. But but yeah, I'm sure this is a good documentary. It's a good way to drown your sorrows. So yeah, definitely do enjoy it.
4: The show notes. Check it out. Bye. Yeah, say once more. Oval high notes in the show notes. Uh, bye.
0: Oval highlights in the show notes. Check it out. O- bye.
4: Oval high notes in the. Uh, uh, so, he's put oval compostings in the notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oval highlights in the show notes. Check it out. Bye.